Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the sermon half. The sermon was given by Pastor Danielle Miller on August 12th, 2018, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. Come to our services at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway. Good girls don't. There are a lot of ways to finish that sentence. I've heard a number of those endings, though I'm sure there are more. People are amazingly creative and more than willing to tell you what you're doing wrong and could be doing right. Good girls don't talk like that, think like that, dress like that, play like that, speak like that. I've heard a lot of them. More than anyone, though, I've heard these types of unsolicited warnings from well-meaning Christians who are just trying to set folks on the straight and narrow path. There is a lot of moralizing that has, over the decades, become rooted in the assumed necessary propriety, the unquestioned civility that operates as a supposed marker of a Christian, especially a Christian woman. Though there are a whole multitude of people, to be fair, who claim in every gender that have, that have been claimed in every gender that fall prey to this diversion of propriety. The litmus test for Christianity often devolves into a piety that has little to do with Jesus and a lot to do with power. Exchanging rules for relationship, keeping folks in line, and making certain that no one is bucking the status quo. The myth of the propriety, of the decorum and respectability of Christianity has over the years perpetuated the dangerous dilution of the radicality of the gospel. Because Jesus is not proper, never has been. The gospel is in fact raw and unsettling. It is the way of love the way of justice. It is the way of relationship over regulation every time. It is the way of restoration. Jesus' words, sanitized over the centuries, were scandalous when spoken those years ago. He stood in front of a kosher-keeping crowd and suggested that he, in his human and unclean self, is the bread they must eat for eternal life. And the word here used for eat in the original Greek would better translate to gnaw. It's chewing with your mouth open, juices dripping down your chin, no mistaking what is in there. Jesus is not letting us just explain this one away. This is the scandal of the gospel. This man telling every single person invested in the management and preservation of the system that the answer to what they are seeking is the opposite of what they think they are looking for. There's nothing neat, nothing nice about this exchange. It is offensive. And it foreshadows the offensive as it draws us forward to Jesus nailed up on the cross for the world to see. Next week, when we finish up Jesus' conversation on being the bread of life, which we've been talking about for the last couple weeks, we'll see that a lot of people walk away. I mean, it's, it's too uncomfortable, too difficult, too strange to follow this wandering rabbi. Jesus is not interested in simply replicating. 
what is, but rather about restoring what God created. Throughout scripture, we encounter the reality that we are, in fact, what we eat. What we take into our bodies defines who and what we are. In the beginning, we are first and foremost hungry. We are hungry and we are offered the world, the world that we are to consume and transform to sustain and grow. Genesis tells us that in the beginning, sin came in the form of fruit. It was a temptation dangled in front of our sister Eve and our brother Adam. It was a choice they made to take of the fruit that brings with it knowledge of good and evil and also the sting of death. It was scandalous. A tale of intrigue, betrayal, and painful justice. It is a tale that maps out our own destinies as broken people disconnected from our God, who is the source of our very lives. When the gates of Eden were barred to Adam and Eve, they were barred to all of humanity, and there was always a separation between God and God's creatures, not because God abandoned us, but because we chose instead to try and be our own God. But Jesus here in this raw, pared-down way is saying that it no longer has to be this way. You might have crunched into that piece of forbidden fruit a meal that announced to the world that you wanted to be your own God instead of relying on your maker. But gnaw on this, Jesus says. I am offering you a new meal, a new way, and it might not seem as appealing as that tasty produce in your hand. It's more uncomfortable, more powerful, more bloody and exposed and penetrating and raw, and it will save your life. Who could say no to that? Well, it just so happens that a lot of us can say no to that even if it means heading back to the garden. It means, if it means taking the hard way, a lot of us are happy to stay where we are, to moralize what is untamable and make people jump through hoops for what Jesus so readily offers. Easier to manipulate people for control and set up our own heavens with tables laden with fruit, full of niceness and injustice, and crafted to our own image and desires. Jesus' words to the gathered crowds got everyone all riled up. This is too much, and it goes against what is ordered and proper. The masses argue. They become angry. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And you think maybe Jesus would backpedal a little here, realize folks might not be ready for what he is saying, but no. There is no time to waste and no chance to be uncertain. Jesus just goes right ahead and offers his flesh and blood for the life of the world. See, when Jesus tells us we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, we are to take in the whole of Jesus, everything, and he will transform us. It's as if the writer of this gospel, the only gospel that does not have a Last Supper included, by the way, is revealing the inner meaning of eating the bread and drinking the wine. It is not just a meal. It is not just bread and wine. It is more than flesh and blood. It is everything. 
the whole of creation bearing down on us, the eternity of God's mercy and love and redemption held in our hands, put in our mouths for all our broken, nasty, improper selves. It is not about who you are or what you have done. It doesn't care if you're a saint or sinner, because let's be honest, most of us are both. It doesn't care if you have it all together or if you are falling apart. In that gift of Jesus, we are all made new. Siblings in the faith, children of God, redeemers of the promise, it is life and it is ours. Not because we're so great, but because God is awesome and cannot be contained or limited. Jesus simply is more than we can handle and everything we need. When we come up to that communion table with our hands reaching out for a taste of Jesus, we are asking for all of it, for everything that Jesus has to offer, which is not always neat and pretty, but it is life. The Word, the Word became flesh. The Spirit of God became known to us in the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus is calling us to see the significance of this inseparable union of spirit and body, and then calling us beyond recognizing it to actually participating in it. Jesus is calling us into a faith that is expressed in body, mind, and spirit, a faith that involves us all totally, that cannot be confined to some little compartment of our lives, that has nothing, nothing to do with moralizing and propriety and everything to do with love. When we respond to Christ in faith, we do not just receive a gift of life from Jesus, we receive the gift of Jesus. The challenge Jesus presented, the scandal he caused, still remains today. 2,000 years later, even after the rise and fall of empires, it cannot dull us or detract from the power of the risen Christ that we encounter at this table. And while culture may treat Jesus with weak lip service, trying to pretty up this commission to consume all of Christ, he still lives. He still is willing to offer everything he has so that we can become everything, everything that God would have us be. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.